Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton. I'm your host, Jeremy Greer. This week's guest is Steph. Steph is a newcomer to the Soul series. Uh, started with Bloodborne, has kind of been working her way back. She's a huge fan, as you'll, you'll hear in the episode. Uh, it was actually absolute delight to sit down and be able to talk to her uh, and hear all of her kind of newcomer perspectives on the games. And uh, and just a heads up, I had some issues with the audio on this one. I had to make a bunch of cuts to, to cut some stuff out. So you might hear some weird stuff. You might not. Uh, either way, I think you're going to enjoy the episode. So I will let you get to it. funny because um, I was talking about how games don't really have interesting monster designs in my opinion mm-hmm. and my friend was like oh have you ever heard of Bloodborne and I was like uh, no what are you talking about <laughs> and then he showed me the monster designs and I was like maybe you like this and I was just like well I'm not really into gaming anymore like I was a few years back because of university and I just thought I'm gonna buy the art book but then my family was like, we'll get you a PS4 for your birthday because you're doing good at university and you're studying media science. So it would be good if you actually do something more than just read books and watch series. And I needed to buy some games. And I saw Bloodborne. I was just like, well, you heard of it. So maybe give it a try. Like, I didn't think much of it when I first got it. I just thought um, you need something to play when you got your PS4 and everyone was like wow you need to play Bloodborne I was just like guys why <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> when you um at the beginning when you said that uh games don't traditionally have like good monster designs in your opinion uh what what are some good monster designs like what were you comparing that to um I think what's really bothering me is like when a monster design is too human like as soon as it resembles a human too much like like, let's say excluding Silent Hill, because I love the monster designs there, but it has, like, let's say, a stronger meaning why it looks human, and it's supposed to resemble a human in a way. But, like, I don't know. It's just, like, hard to explain. I just want to see that the people who are designing the monsters actually do something they want to do. Like, they enjoy their work and creativity. And that's something I saw in Bloodborne, even though I had no idea what everyone was talking about with that game i was just like mm, nice monster designs <laughs> that's one of the things that i think bloodborne really excels at because they they create these monsters and it's not just let's make something look as gross as possible it's like let's make it super sad first and then also make it d- d- like a complete monstrosity <laughs> from that which i think kind of resonates with a lot with a lot of people yeah i think i think that's the whole point for me just like i'm always kind of bored when it's just really on shock factors and it has to look gross it's just like okay i see your point but it's not really striking a nerve with me but like i found myself thinking about like the monster designs and in general the designs of bloodborne a lot which surprises me because i thought i wouldn't go deep into it when i first played i was just like well i'm just gonna pass on time i'm gonna see how it is and look at me now <laughs> <laughs> Uh, how long did how long did it take you to get to for that switch to flip? In other words, like when you started playing the game and you were thinking like, well, this is maybe not really my thing, but I'm going to try it out to, okay, well, now I'm all into this thing. Oh I, need, I need all of it that um, I can possibly consume. I think it took a while, actually. Like 
I started playing and my brother's friends were like, oh, you're playing Bloodborne, isn't it too hard for you? And I was just a bit, guys, what? That's rude. And I I was, I said, okay, I would rather play Outlast. I just give it a try. And then I got to Gascoigne and it was just terrible. I was still playing <laughs> in the in the living room of my family's house and I was sitting there and I was crying and my dad was like, are you okay? I was like, no, I'm not okay. And I think I died like 17 times or something and I was just like, I was only like, fuck this game. I'm not going to finish it. I, and I told someone, it can't be that hard. It's not Dark Souls and I wasn't really aware that it's part of the series, which was embarrassing thinking back <laughs> now. <laughs> Had you played Dark Souls before, or were you just going by like the most difficult game you could think of? <laughs> yeah, I was just like everyone's always like, "Wow, this is the Dark Souls of," and like I've never played it before. I was just like, "Why is this game so hard? This isn't Dark Souls." And then I found it. Then I found out that it is actually part of the series. But then <laughs> I was—I remember lying in bed and I was just staring at the wall and was like, "Are you gonna finish this? Are you gonna give up?" And I got so angry. I remember running downstairs in my pajamas and told my dad, move over, I have to kill this guy right now. And my dad was <laughs> like, what are you talking about? And then it's like my brother and my dad sat around while I was still crying and screaming at the TV and I managed to beat him. And I think that was the moment I was really, okay, you manage this, you will not stop. And then I continued to play like every day and I got really into it. But I think because I also started thinking more about the characters, like dying 17 times to the same boss makes you think about him a bit more. Mm -hmm. And I really started to appreciate the character and the whole like bits and pieces we got and the hints for what makes this character actually what he is. It was just like something that really surprised me, like the death you get without being spoon fed or bits and pieces of information. Yeah, the way that it was kind of scattered around the world as opposed to told to you in a giant monologue by like a supervillain. Yeah. How um how long do you think it took you to like come to grips with the controls and like really start feeling like you were Oh, that's that's a good question. <laughs> Has it happened? It's, Maybe uh... it's a better question. <laughs> I know sometimes I pick up Bloodborne and I'm like, what what are my hands doing? Like how how do I Bloodborne? I forgot. <laughs> I think it was like Central Yarn and gave me such a hard time in the beginning. It was like getting past that mob and progressing. And I think it took me four hours or something until I kind of had an idea what I'm doing. I don't think it took too long, but it's really, it was a huge change for me. Like going from playing indie games on my laptop or just playing survival horror to something in which I'm active, actively engaging with like uh, my environment and enemies. It, w it was weird, but I think I got used to it pretty quickly. Good. That's awesome. How long do you think it took you to, to kind of go through the game and, and beat it? I still remember like checking how much time it took with my first Hunter. It was over 100 hours or something. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I love that because that means that you like really spend some time exploring the world and going through the game and 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 you know kind of thoroughly experiencing Bloodborne for the first time. Yeah, it's just like I was really interested in I don't know. It's like every little detail and just talking to everyone until I exhaust their dialogue and just hearing their voices. Mm -hmm. It's just like 
I always say the German dub is incredibly well done. <laughs> is it really? They all sound so nice. It is. I was surprised. Like I also thought that uh, Dark Souls had one, but sadly it doesn't. Oh. Which is fine, but that it surprises me that Bloodborne got one. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I, I would have assumed Dark Souls had one as well if Bloodborne did, but I, maybe not. Yeah. It's always fascinating to hear from people that um, will play these games in their native language and see how they, they, they hold up. Um, because you know it's obviously mostly written in English first and then localized in various countries. And it's like I know there's a somebody that's been on the show that uh, lives in Canada and speaks French. And he's just like all the time he'll play a video game and turn on the French stuff. It's like, this is just horrible. Please don't do this. <laughs> yeah, I heard that a lot from people like saying, wow, it's so bad in my native language. How can you like it in German? But it's really, really well done. And I think the voice is for some characters even much better than the English ones. Interesting. But it's just my opinion. So coming out of Bloodborne, um, who were your what was what was your favorite monster design when you were done out of all of them oh that's a hard question because i love so many like my my werewolf bias is saying it's going but (laughs) 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 oh my god i'm really thinking like it's just hard to say because i love so many of the bosses but design wise i think vicar amelia and mergus wetners were the ones where i was really impressed by how gorgeous a boss can look and still be somewhat eerie and terrifying, but there's such a unique beauty to them that I really appreciate. Yeah, Vicar Amelia, especially with the with the transformation, and then just the the way that she moves is so is so different comparatively to to most bosses. Like she just moves in a weird way that is is. You're right. It's kind of pretty, almost, which you wouldn't normally say about a giant deer creature that's you know furry and has antlers. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yeah, it's, it's something that uh, I think it's, there's so many moments, like Soulsborne moments, that I still remember, like walking into any area for the first time and seeing a boss for the first time. And just, it's a feeling I can't really describe. It's just like, it's so unreal to see something so beautiful. And you just know, okay, I have to kill this now. I have to fight it, but still admiring it for just what it is. I don't know. I never had that before. <laughs> It's one of the times that um, th- th- I've heard a couple of people say they just wanted uh, like a, bl- a version of Bloodborne without the combat so they could just like walk around in the world and just like look at all the monsters and creatures. Like I, I, I kind of want like the, the this tourist zoo version of Bloodborne every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that, that would be nice. <laughs> so I like uh, Trin's really nice. uh, like real up close videos that she does with chalice bosses and things because it's, you know, you get you get some real detail that you wouldn't normally get going, you know when it's trying to constantly kill you and scream at you. Yeah, it's just like, this is, it's a bit, I don't want to say wasted. They're beautiful designs, but I want to appreciate them without having to think, well, if you're going to stand still now, you're going to get killed. (laughs) Not a good feeling. (laughs) Yeah, we need a God mode for Bloodborne. Just just, let me be able to stand there and get hit a few times without dying constantly. Yeah, that would be nice. It's like, (laughs) I appreciate all the work that went into it. I, I, I begged my mom to buy me the art book because I said, please, please, I need it. And she was like, why do you need this? But I saw even my family, like sometimes they still uh, walk into my room and they're like, oh, what are you doing? Are you playing Bloodborne? And they're just uh, looking at the environments and like the bosses. And they're just, all, they also say it's beautiful. Like my dad doesn't get video games at all. 
My mom said she prefers Dark Souls because it's not as scary as Bloodborne. <laughs> but everyone says it's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm picturing your dad like looking over your shoulder and like, oh, wow, those look like really nice castles. And then like, you know, the one of the blue like alien things comes and attacks you. And he's like, I don't really know what that's about, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's funny sometimes. Like he asked me why I guess going screaming so much. And I was like, Dad, um... You see, we're trying to kill each other. <laughs> and, he's, and he was just, okay. And he's got a whole, like, drama that you don't even want me to go into. He's got some kids. He's turning into the thing. <laughs> like, it's a whole it's a whole story. Just, just trust me what he said. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's a bit harder to explain to my dad. Like, my mom loves to listen to it. I tell her all about it, and she's so interested. It's great. What are your, some of your um, favorite characters to come out of Bloodborne? Oh my god. I can already hear my friends laughing in my heart <laughs> when I say, uh, I can't really pick, but Alfred is really one of my favorites. I can hear Mimi screaming right now. Uh, oh. <laughs> We've had a really good run of uh, some, some Alfred fans on this show. Uh, there's been a couple people, and there's some episodes that haven't come out yet that, that eventually will come out where just people are really into that Alfred boy, man. <laughs> I mean, I understand both sides because I hated him at first, and then, well, things happened that I, I don't, can't even explain it to myself. I think I just really, I didn't trust him. Like I knew something was off about him, and I was just like, I don't trust you, and that's why I didn't like him. But when I found out that I was right about him, I started, I started to appreciate him. Because I thought I was right about your writing, that means you're a really good character. It's just weird. When do you uh, like? When did you switch from "Hey, I kind of don't trust you" to um, "Oh, I was right to not trust you" to "You're all I can think about in Bloodborne." <laughs> I actually still remember the exact date it happened. Um, I started playing Bloodborne at the beginning of July this year, mm -hmm. and on the twenty eighth, uh, I was flying to London. And I was just thinking about Alfred. I was just like, I hate this guy so much. Like, every time I saw him in-game, I was just like, why are you standing there? Why are you talking to me? Go away, please. I don't want to see you. And I was just like, okay, why do you hate him so much when he makes perfect sense? And I just caught myself thinking, well, this character does make perfect sense, like, considering everything I learned about gothic fiction and university, which is one of my favorite fields of study also. And it's just like, he just works so well into the world into the um themes that you have and i was just like i really appreciate this character for what he is and who he is but i also saw people compare him to solaire and i haven't played dark souls at that point which also made me think wow FromSoft really got you guys good with that one because i <laughs> i knew something was up about him <laughs> <laughs> As somebody that came from Dark Souls, uh, hearing that dude's voice, and he, he was so helpful to like hand me some fire paper or whatever it was, and I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be my guy," and you could summon him for the blood, uh, blood starred beast, and I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be my friend," and then you know, eventually, you you he, he has a pyramid head and a giant wheel that's <laughs> murdered a chick and covered in blood and screaming like it's it's very it's, it's a twist. It's definitely a fucking it's definitely a fucking twist. Yeah, I, I can't imagine that. Like, for me, it was the other way around. Like, going from Alfred to Solaire was uh, weird. How so? Talk about it. It was just like, 
Um, the thing is, I always compared Alfred's writing to Gascoigne, like this whole. With Gascoigne, you only saw his beast form. You knew I have to kill this guy. He's dangerous and everything. And like I thought about, okay, but what do we learn about him outside of the boss fight? And just like talking to his daughter and how Eileen said, well, he wasn't himself anymore. And like the sweet gesture of giving his wife like a gift and like having this music box. I just thought if what I saw of him is that he's a beast and he's dangerous, but it's not really what he's like. And then there's Alfred, who's so nice and who's trying to be nice. And who's like, oh, hey, I can help you. And he actually does in a way. Um, I was just thinking what I'm seeing shouldn't be what I believe what it is. But like, then I went to Solaire and he was just like, oh, hey, I'm going to help you. And I just knew everyone was like, oh, he's so nice until, you know, Sunlight Maggot and not so nice. But that's not his fault. And it was such a weird transition for me just to think, okay, I have to trust the writing that this guy is okay. He's going to be nice all the time. <laughs> He's going to help me. And then he did. <laughs> okay, um, I just want to say the only thing that hurt me about Solaire was that Miyazaki said that if I link, uh, if he's going to do the last boss fight with me, he's going to link the flame in his world. I was just like, thank you. I thought I saved that guy and you still managed to hurt me. <laughs> yeah, that's not necessarily, like, it's the good ending, but it's not necessarily a good ending. It's just the better ending compared to, you know, going crazy in the, uh, in the, in the in Isolith. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I discovered that uh, that Solaire thing pretty naturally. Like, I kind of didn't know... I was going into Dark Souls Blind most of the, mostly for the first time that I played it, even though I restarted my first run halfway in and, <clears throat> you know, did a thing where it took 60 hours to get to Enerlando and my next run took four <laughs> or something like that. Um, so when I saw, like, my buddy come in, like, yelling at me and being, like, weirdly sad and, and happy and trying to kill me, I was so... I was so sad. Like I, it's so it's it feels so. Um, I don't know. It feels so cliche to say that about Solaire at this point because it's been you know seven years worth of O Sun Bros. But it was so sad the first time that that happened to me. I was very very much bummed. Oh yeah, I can imagine. Like I have to say, I'm glad I managed to save him, but I accidentally killed Laurentius, and I was so sad. Oh no, not Larry. I just oh god. <laughs> I was really just messaging my friends. I was like, guys, guys, I fucked up. Don't make my mistake. Don't do it. I was like, what are you talking about? I was just like, I was trying to be nice. I tried to tell him about this new thing and now he's got hollow and he's attacking me. What's happening? It was so bad. I was just, Poor I still Larry. remember, like, I didn't, yeah, it was a big mistake. I didn't even want to talk about him anymore. I was just like, no, I'm going to remember my mistake. Don't, don't hurt me like this. Don't. <laughs> It was bad. <laughs> yeah, I uh, you know, I think that's one th one of the things about the Souls games in general is that the characters they obviously don't have very good endings, and the the player would the best ending for any of those characters is for the player never to speak to them ever ever throughout the game. <laughs> like you could just like leave them to their own devices, and they'll end up happier than they, <laughs> than you will ever make them. Uh, but I think that's why people bond with them so much is because you were so instrumental in their destruction the first in your first runs of whatever ga video game, whichever game it is. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting. Like um, thinking about it, I I was thinking about how do like 
as a literary scholar and everything, I have to think about how do, um, our relationships build it in certain kind of texts. And it's just like, I was thinking, why do I like these characters so much, even though we don't talk much? Like, for example, with Eileen, I don't think there's much dialogue to have, excluding this whole, hey, don't go down there, Henrik's gonna kill you. And like, later fighting the bloody crow for her, which is like, it's just like it's odd for me like how I can have such a deep and strong relationship to this character because I love them all. I love them a lot <laughs> even though we don't really talk much. <laughs> <laughs> so when you say you love these characters a lot, are you um are you you're watching lore videos, are you seeking out uh you know fan fiction, are you you know are you on Tumblr digging up uh, like fan art for them? Like where, how how deep does does the love go? It it does oh god it goes very very deep because I always watch these uh, prepare to cry videos even though I know I will cry I will end up crying and yelling at myself like why did you watch this it hurts like um I have the lore I also draw some fan art and I look at the stuff that other people do I don't really read fan fictions I write them <laughs> um and I would say my love really goes as far that I told my professor that I want to write my bachelor thesis about Bloodborne. So it's a deep love, I think. How was that received? Oh, very well, actually. It was just funny. Like um, We were sitting in class and everyone was looking at me. and was like, hey, guys, have you ever heard of Bloodborne? And they were all like looking at me like, what is she talking about? But one of my professors just got like, his eyes went really wide and he looked at me like, oh no. <laughs> 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 he just knew. I did know that he likes video games. Like, uh, the thing is, there's some kind of weird perception that people think that everyone in academics is like, oh no, video games are evil, they're bad. Like, they love video games. They just don't really know many, depending on who you're talking to. Mm -hmm. But... Um, they were really impressed. They said it's a great idea and I should uh, follow through on the whole thing because they think it's really interesting. And I was really happy because I was also afraid, like, you're going to out yourself as, I don't know, it's just like, I was just thinking, don't mention Alfred. You're going to lose it. You're just going to tell everyone about him and every little <laughs> detail about him. And I was just like, okay, be low key. Just, just try to be casual. It's like, hey guys, ever heard of Bloodborne? I thought, okay, you already fucked up. <laughs> they already know. <laughs> now they know. Now they're gonna seek you out on the internet and find you and discover all of your secrets. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's my fear. But I had like a little um, a little keychain. I have a little Alfred keychain on my bag, and that's where he's all bloody and fucked up. And I was just thinking, you know, you already gave it away before you even opened your mouth. Who is, so who is why making... even try? <laughs> Who is making pens of bloody Alfred? That seems like a weird pull. <laughs> <laughs> you can find them. They're amazing. That is awesome. I, I saw so much merch. <laughs> yeah, it's just like my mom's like, um, why Why do you have that? And I was just like, mom, that's my husband and I love him. And she's just looking at me like, are you okay? Really? <laughs> really now? <laughs> I'm a. Uh, you mentioned that you you also uh, write fan fiction for the characters. Is that centered around just a desire to make those characters happy, or is it to to put them in different situations, or is it kind of like a like an AU of like what if um, you know this didn't happen to Yarnum? Like, what's your what? How do you approach your your writing? Oh, it's actually um, I have 
a lot like thinking about it. I have a lot of ideas but mostly it's like what I'm surprised is that I don't really write a lot of AUs like in the sense of this happy fluffy coffee shop stuff but it's more like character exploration like as I said it's like you don't really talk much to them like we don't get a lot of information about them which is great because it means I can fill the gaps with my writing and I just like to think what if we would have got more of their inner thoughts and emotions maybe before like I'm writing um, I want to write a kind of series about what bosses think before you attack them <laughs> and also for Dark Souls bosses <laughs> like what are they doing like what are they what is their thought process have you played because uh, I think it's kind ha- of have funny. you played near by chance uh, not yet, but everyone's scre- yelling at me too to play it. So I'm like, guys, please let me finish Dark Souls first. <laughs> if you play the original Nier, uh, when you go into New Game Plus, that it, it something like that happens, and it's yeah, it's 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 not it's not happy. <laughs> Nothing happened. Those dudes are not thinking about anything nice. What would be what would be your <laughs> idea? Like, would you mind sharing an idea of like a particular boss and what they would be thinking before the hunter shows up through the fog door? Yeah, I was just um, thinking. Especially Rom was interesting for me because people pointed out like, wow, she doesn't even do anything. She doesn't want to fight you. She doesn't want to attack you. And like saying she is mindless, I think that's really rude. Like she can't say anything. So other bosses still can partly communicate with you and like at least communicate their anger or pain or something. But Rom just seems so quiet the whole time. And I was just thinking, what is she thinking? Like, like she used to be a human. What What's left of that? And just thinking about what is what's going on in her mind, just hearing there's someone... Like, I always read this. Imagine someone's breaking into your house and suddenly they start attacking you. It's like, wow, guys, that's a bit harsh. But that's just what happened. Like, was she being happy living like that? It's just something I was thinking about a lot because it seems like she really doesn't want to fight. And um, to me, she always felt like someone who's protective because, I mean, after the Blood Moon, everything just goes absolutely shit and everyone goes ballistic and i was thinking is she kind of a protective figure like what is her motivation it's something i want to explore interesting i very much think that in most of the souls games your 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 character is the invader like it it almost always feels like this happened to me with um dark souls one it was very early in 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 my play in my playthrough my very first playthrough and i was in uh dark root and just wandering around and all of a sudden there's this beautiful butterfly <laughs> that was shooting stuff at me because <laughs> I came up on it's like, you know, it's little, it's little nest of, of in these ruins. And like, I very much, like I even, I remember turning to my wife and going like, I don't think I'm supposed to kill this thing. Like this feels like it, I, this, <laughs> this feels like my fault. Like I don't, this doesn't feel like I should. And of course it's an optional boss and you know, et cetera, et cetera. But it's, it's, it's very much, you, it makes you question like, am I the bad guy a lot? Yeah, that's just a general Soulsborne feeling I had, which makes me always feel dirty. I don't know, it's so hard to explain. When I had to fight Sif, I actually, when it ha- after it happened, I sat there and I was just like, I'm so sorry, I'm so, so sorry. <laughs> like, I I'd never said it out loud to a boss before. <laughs> but I was 
I was really like I was in shock. I was just sitting there and I was like, I'm I'm sorry. I, I really said it out loud. I said, I'm sorry, Sif. I didn't want to do this. I'm so, so sorry. You did so well. It's just like Saltborn really manages to make me feel, yes, I finally got it down. And then I'm like, I'm I shouldn't have done it. <laughs> like the same with Quilak. I was just like, it was like, Mom, I did something terrible. She was like, What? What did you do? And like I explained her and she was like, Oh, okay, that's really not so, yeah, um, yeah, that's just a giant half human, half spider creature. You're you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just like um, I don't have a sister, but I have a I have a twin brother, and I just thought, wow, imagine someone would do that to your twin brother. It's like, oh fuck, that hurts. That's not nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's just putting things into perspective. It's also weird because. Uh, bosses will make you feel that way and then when you beat them you also feel a, like a surge of satisfaction for having been like having accomplished that so it's a weird sense of like i'm i'm the best and i am also the saddest person on earth right now <laughs> yes it's really like it's, it's really something it's like that's why i always tell people please please play any Soulsborne game you're not gonna regret it okay they're gonna regret it they're gonna come for me in my sleep and try to murder me which is fine um but like, such a weird feeling because I heard a lot of people say, wow, this is, it feels amazing when you finally get that boss. And there's always people, I think, who don't really care about the lore because I think if I would just go in and just think, okay, I'm here to kill things and that's it. I don't think I wouldn't think much about what the fuck did you just do? <laughs> but I <laughs> personally, it's such a good feeling. Like It sounds so weird, but... To me, it's such a good feeling to regret what I did and to think about it and just have this weight on my shoulders just knowing you just killed something that was trying to protect what's sacred to them just because you wanted to push forward. Which is, I don't want to go in and kill something and then be like, I'm going to move on to the next thing. I really want to think about it. It's just, it's hard to explain. It's such a good feeling. <laughs> So I'm curious, uh, we started this conversation about mostly monster design, and that's what was your original yeah. attraction to Bloodborne. Once you bonded with these characters, you obviously like finished Bloodborne and are now playing through Dark Souls 1. Um, do you think that Dark Souls 1 also has that, that level of monster design, that kind of sad monstrosity aspect that we mentioned earlier? <sighs> I mean, with certain bosses, it it really does for me. Like, Quilak does it like... Sif isn't really horrifying, like, mm -hmm. but he makes me sad. He makes me incredibly sad. And, like, I started the DLC, and when Artoria started growling at me, I was just like, is this guy okay? Is he okay? And then I just and started the picking up no. all these small he is, he details. he is not okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I am not okay for him, too. I feel his pain. It made me sad. It's just like, I, I feel like... Um, Dark Souls is more into this conveying the sadness of a certain uh, boss. Like, it's just easier. Like, in Bloodborne, it's just like, wow, this is kind of disgusting. I need to dig in deeper into why this is actually a sad figure. But, like, I, I never killed Priscilla, which I'm proud of, and everyone can hear it. I never killed her. I will not kill her. But I saw someone do it, and it just made me feel like the whole desperation and sadness is much much stronger in dark souls like when she asks you why you killed her i was just like whoa what what is going <laughs> on like i didn't kill her but it felt like i did and i felt so bad 
And it's just Dark Souls feels mm, sadder to me than Bloodborne in a way. Like, it's just, like, more in your face. Like, you just get hit with this desperation and the whole, like, people just going insane. Like, when you watch Solaire being like, oh, what happened to my son? And I was just like, no, please don't do this to me. I don't want to feel emotions. <laughs> it's just like, I, I would rather have him go crazy than see him sad. <laughs> Are there any are there any characters in in any of the games that you played that you particularly don't like, whether it's for story reasons or for like thematic reasons or anything? Mm. The the bad thing is, I think about characters so much that I get attached to everyone at some point. Yeah, that's what I was curious about. Like, if you were like even on the characters that are, you know, like like patches um, betrays you, but that's, that's no, I hate it's, patches. It's so great. Like he, he's such a good, he's such a great <laughs> character that I, I love him for it. But I was curious if that like across the board, if you were just thinking every every NPC that you met, if you were thinking like, okay, I want to think about all of their motivations, and at the end of that process, if you were attached to them at the end of it. Yeah, I think I don't. I don't think I can hate er- anyone. It's just like I'm really attached to them. Like I, I, I love the writing in Soulsborne because I think everyone just makes sense that they're like, even if they have selfish reasons, like Lotrek, I still think he makes sense in a way that I also can feel sorry for him. Like, I'm just. It's more like a. I'm sorry you have to lead this kind of life if it makes you happy, which is. It's so hard to explain, like, seeing him destroying himself over something like that. And in that process, also hurting others. It's just, and then he has to die like that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Has any other other video game series done that for you? To have that level of, where you have that level of attachment to the NPCs? That's actually... um, it's what I I always thought I'm really attached to Silent Hill characters because I I grew up on that game series, which is I know it's not how kids should grow up on things, but I really love Silent Hill. But it's just like you just have a strong connection to the protagonist, maybe some side characters. But I I just realized when I think about Soulsborne, it's just like when someone asks, "Who do you like best?" and it's just like there are so many people. Why are you asking me this? And it's just like it's like to me it shows that I'm really thinking about all of them. Like I have an attachment to all of them because they're just so interesting. And I think that's also why I want everyone to play these games because it's just you can fall in love with everyone or at least say I understand them and I appreciate them for what they are, which is something that's lacking for me in a lot of other video games I've played. Yeah, it's difficult. You mentioned uh, suggesting Souls more games to your friends and um, that they would eventually regret it. And I think that the only regret that they would have is that it kind of ruins other video games for a while. <laughs> like once you <laughs> once you start playing it, you're like, oh, well, <clears throat> like there's definitely been games. And when I started playing 2011, 2012, that would come out. Um, the big victim of this was Dragon's Dogma. Like I, I played five or six minutes of Dragon's Dogma. I was like, why am I not just playing Dark Souls? I could just go do that. And, uh, <laughs> years later, came back to Dragon's Dogma and absolutely adore that game. But at the time, it just wasn't Souls. Like I had the Soulsitis disease that I, you know, so I couldn't, I just couldn't play anything else. Yeah, I have that same problem. Like I always thought, I'm, I thought that survival horror is going to be the one thing I will always go back to, and it will always be my thing. And I was telling people I will never play Dark Souls. I was just like, keep that away from me. 
like I watched these gaming list videos and they were talking about Gascoigne and I was just like, wow, I'm so glad I never have to play Bloodborne. And then <laughs> and look it at came you back now. to bite me. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> it just kind of happened. What was it like? What was the experience like going from Bloodborne, which you know came out several years after Dark Souls 1, and play so much so dramatically different. Did you have an adjustment period there of like, oh shit, now I have a shield, how do I use it? Or did, were you just kind of naturally, did you naturally just get the controls and how, how you play the game? Oh, it was terrible at first. I was cursing the, the shield. I was just like, why do I have this? Like, take it away. I want my weapons back. I want my gun. It was just really, really, really hard for me. But now I miss my shield when I'm playing Bloodborne. <laughs> so <laughs> I think I really adapted well. What kind of builds do you usually gravitate to? Are you are you a big fuck off weapon kind of girl, or uh, like a like you know quick and fast weapon person? Hmm. That's. I mean, I'm, I think in Bloodborne I've tried every weapon, and I like heavy and big weapons. There, in Dark Souls, I'm still trying to figure out what I like. But I think the all the heavy and strong weapons are good because I'm just like, I want to kill it as fast and strong as possible so it doesn't come back and bite me. Mm-hmm. So, but I think my first chosen on that was a mage. So that was that was really a weird adjustment for me because I never did an arcane build in Bloodborne and suddenly I went to uh, started playing a mage and I was just like, oh, I'm weak. <laughs> this is not good. <laughs> yeah, that's... Um... Actually, there's a uh, a mod on PC that somebody made that uh, gives you a permanent Gravelord. So, if you're not, are you familiar with the Gravelording concept? How you get the big phantom into enemies and everything? No, never heard of it. Um, it just it just basically like spawns these really difficult versions of monsters in really inconvenient areas. Like you're in the catacombs, and all of a sudden you've got a big red phantom version of a you know the skelly dog coming at you, and it's got beefed up attack damage and everything. But a friend of mine did a uh, permanent Gravelord uh, sorcery only run, and like he di- didn't allow himself to use a, a melee attack. And uh, he described it as a survival horror because you were so weak, and your <laughs> your magic is relatively powerful, and you have ranged, but like you want to consume your resources so much. Like it's, he said, it was just like playing a survival horror game, like a Silent Hill or a Resident Evil. <clears throat> yeah, it it felt like a, for me like at first because I was really. My first uh, playthrough of Dark Souls was just terrible. I only, I think I only used magic, and then when I ran out, I was just too weak to use my sword. And I was just really, okay, you have to plan your resources better. Just think of the enemies you want to fight, otherwise you're going to run. <laughs> the old speed run was... tactic, just run right on past them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah! Where, how far are you in, have you finished Dark Souls 1 now? Yes, I almost finished it twice now. Oh wow! Okay, which is excellent. Surprising. What's next? Yeah. Like you went from Bloodborne to DS One. What, what are you doing next? Dark Souls Two. Oh yeah. But we're not friends. <laughs> <laughs> Have you just started it recently? Is that? Um. Yeah. Only I think two days ago or something. Oh okay. So you're extremely early in that. Yeah, and it's um, it's different. Really different. Has anybody told you to level up agility yet? <laughs> uh, no. Okay, no. John, if you're listening to this, why haven't you told me? 
I'm yeah, hurt. Come on. Uh, friend of the show, not on dexterity. <laughs> uh, yeah. If, if you feel like you are uh, moving at the speed of slug, <laughs> like everything is just slow <laughs> and it takes forever to drink your Estes, like get your agility up to like 25 or so pretty early on and you'll feel much better about rolling around and drinking Estes and things like that. Like it'll make the game feel like you're playing Dark Souls 1 a little bit more. Oh, that's good. It was just like, I know people always say, well, Dark Souls 2 is different. And I I went in completely blind. I had no idea what I was in for. And then I just suddenly found myself in this very different environment. I was just like, what? What is this? Can I please play Dark Souls 1 again? Which I ended up doing. <laughs> well, that's fine. I mean, that's there's nothing wrong with playing Dark Souls 1 over and over again. I've probably got well into a thousand hours of that game so <laughs> no worries there and i just mean uh i i'm surprised by how much i actually like dark souls because of the because, how come i mean it's just everyone always talks about dark souls and i thought it's kind of a game people used to flex like just saying wow i beat dark souls i'm so good like okay i get it like this whole git gut stuff and people are just like it's the hardest game you can play but Someone asked me if there is an easy mode. Like when I tried to recommend it to my friend, I was like, no. That's why it's so good because you have to learn everything. Like you have to understand what you're facing off against and how you can beat a boss. Or like Blighttown was. I arrived there and I cried. <laughs> like I don't know how much I cried. It's, it's bad <laughs> to admit how many times. These games made me cry out of frustration. Just think the situation over, try to adapt, and you're going to be better at this. And that's just like, I think I ended up loving this game because it's so logical. Like, all these games are just, they make sense. And it's just I, something I really like. Like, it's not punishing you for anything. It's just like, really try to pick yourself up and do better, which is really great. So I'm uh, I'm curious, you mentioned that you were, uh, like, once you started playing Bloodborne, you started kind of interacting with the community, watching videos and writing fanfic. Was it, what kind of reception did you get when you started putting that stuff out there? Were you kind of bonding with people over similar things or was it, was there any negative reaction to, to the stuff that you were doing? Um, I was actually incredibly surprised by how nice the whole community is. Like, I've been jumping from a lot of fandoms and I've been to some of uh, like serious fandoms which were not so nice about fan content like certain types of fan content and I was just like okay I'm gonna show you guys my first fan fiction I thought nobody would read it but I had so many people come back to me and saying wow this was so good like thank you for sharing I was just like guys what what's happening why are you so nice like, everyone's so, just so positive and encouraging. Like, they say, please write this. I would love to read it. And it's just something I haven't experienced much. And I haven't really been active in video game fandoms before. So this was really an incredibly pleasant surprise how nice everyone is. Yeah, it's um, it's it's interesting because I've always come from the PvP side where everybody... Uh, was extremely mean <laughs> and extremely horrible <laughs> to one another um so it's, it's just been interesting to me that you would because you would think that that side of the fandom the fan fiction tumble tumblers and the fan arts and the blogs all that stuff would be a little bit more rife with controversy but i've 
so far, like the people I've interviewed are like, yeah, I started writing this literally anything, whether it's, you know, slash fic or just normal fic or like you were talking about like AUs where everybody lives happy, happily ever after. And uh, it's just all just been accepted and everyone loves it. It's like, where, where were these people when I was playing Dark Souls <laughs> for the first time? <laughs> Good question. I, I'm just happy that I uh, joined the community when everyone's so nice and supportive because I was... It's always a bit uh, difficult for me to put these things and myself out there. Like, I feel like there's such a personal connection to the writing and the art because it's how I see the characters. And of course, people are free to uh, disagree with it. But like having people say, I really like the way you see this whole situation, the characters just felt so good to me because I'm not used to it. Um, And I'm more used to academic writing than fan fictions. Yeah, I bet. I bet there's not much. I bet there's not much crossover in uh, from academic <laughs> writing to writing fan fiction. Just to, I mean, just to guess, but I don't, I don't know for sure. But well, <laughs> we talk about fan fiction and academics too, but sadly not in that way. Or luckily, I don't want my. I don't want anyone from university to know what I'm writing in my free time. <laughs> so, <laughs> um. As it, like so, we're in kind of a weird spot with From Software right now, where we have this VR game that just came out that's real weird um, that I haven't even had a chance to play yet, which I feel bad about. Um, and then in a couple of months, we've got Sekiro coming out, which is by all accounts a complete changing of what changing from like the soul style of gameplay. It looks like it'll probably have like similar story elements and and like the the way that the story is told to you but like it's going to be a complete difference in gameplay for you though as someone who who came in with bloodborne and are playing dark souls one like what is your ideal from software game in, in 2019 like what would you want the most from miyazaki honestly something that doesn't include poison and worms <laughs> but <laughs> You know, I asked this question and I've asked it, you know, 150 something times now and I always get weird answers. And, you know, I've never heard just something that doesn't involve poisonous worms. Like that is like a bare minimum of a video game right there. (laughs) (laughs) But well, in all honesty, I really want to see a passion project. Like I really love I love the Soul series, but I think it peaked with Bloodborne because Mm -hmm. I see where like comparing Dark Souls 1 and Bloodborne, I just see that there's like you can tell that they really thought about what they did and how they could improve it and take their ideas and expand them. So I think Bloodborne is really for me it's the peak of the Soul series and now I just wanna see where they move on from that point. Like what is their passion now? Like it changes. Like I wanna see what makes them happy even if it's worms. Uh <laughs> i'm just curious and honestly i think i will go with everything they do because i'm totally sold on on their stuff it's just amazing and i would just want to know that they're working on something that makes them personally happy i'm curious as uh as a relatively latecomer to these games um do you think you could sum up the ways that the souls games or the or bloodborne has has changed you either as a person or as a person that plays video games or as a person who, you know, takes a literary reading of, of the way that these stories work and things like, do you think that there's a way that you could sum that up? Oh my God. That's hard because uh, the thing is, it has changed me in such a positive way. Just like 
It proved to me that I'm not a fake gamer and I'm actually good. Uh, even though my brother's friends always say I suck. Um, but also, I always was kind of an overachiever when it comes to academics. And I was always pushing myself too hard. And I thought, if you don't get it right on first try, you're a failure. And I really beat myself up over it. And I think that playing like Soulsborne really helped me become a more patient person and pay more detail to de uh, like pay more attention to details and think about what have you done how can you do it right and just this whole take a breather it's gonna be okay you can do it again there's always a chance to make it better and it's kind of weird to say because people always say these games are so dark but I also feel like it made me a much happier and positive person like all of my friends said you are way more upbeat and happy since you started playing these games like they really helped me put like let's say everything into a better perspective just by thinking it's gonna be okay no matter what happens like you can work on it that's amazing that's really great that's like a such a great lesson <laughs> to take from a video game right like that's so crazy <laughs> yeah <laughs> Who would have thought? Well, Steph, thank you very, very much for, for guesting on the podcast. This has been an absolute treat and an absolute delight. Uh, can you tell people where you can be found on the internet? Yeah, um, so you can find me on Twitter at 10 as a number, million otters as a word. Okay. And from there, you can just find everything else. Okay. And you're currently doing commissions, right? Like, I want to let people know that when the, by the time that this comes out, like, you'll be, you, you can get, get some of your art done. And I've been following you on Twitter for a while now, so I can say in all of my professional capacity that your art is good. <laughs> so you Thank should definitely you. do that. <laughs> yeah, my commissions are open. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, well, thank you again for guesting. This has been so, so much fun. Thank you for having me. As always, I've been your host, Jeremy Greer. You can find me on Twitter at JG Greer. You can find the podcast yeah. at don'tgiveupskeleton.com. That has links to everywhere you can find us on social media. That has links to the Patreon if you want to support the show directly. It has links to the t-shirt if you want to put a skelly on your belly. And it also has links to all of the previous episodes if you want to listen to them the fourth or fifth time. I know you're out there doing that. I can tell. I have access to the stats. Uh, thank you for everybody that has recently been leaving iTunes reviews. Those go a long way to spreading the good word about the show, and it's very much appreciated. <clears throat> we'll be back next week with another great guest. And remember, until then, don't give up, Skeleton. Are you dead? Did you did you die? No, 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 no. <laughs> did the podcast work? Are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine. Oh god, this was exciting. <laughs>